Have you ever laughed so hard that something unnatural or something that's not typically related to laughing has happened to you? (laughs) I mean, the quintessential example, right, was the time we were, I think this must have been in a sleepover where uh, we made Chuck laugh so hard that he... (laughs) That he like, God, I don't he even ch- know how this is anatomically on whatever, possible. On the, no, it on was the it was like Cheetos. It was you know it was hot Cheetos and <laughs> like some sort of soda came up through his nose and that caused him to vomit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, all over your mom's garden. While she's outside watching it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah. That was so a good like, one. I uh, Becky also has laughed so hard that she's thrown up. <laughs> After she told me that story sometime in our college years, that became the goal. Like, yeah, my goal. I want to laugh so hard. Oh, your goal for yourself? That I throw up. Yeah, not like the the bar for hanging out with Becky where it's like no. yeah, you're laughing here but you still have it's lunch in enough. your stomach so yeah. I didn't it wasn't that funny <laughs> yeah not just like that's 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 how funny does something have to be <laughs> <laughs> that you can't you you're laughing so hard that you stop breathing. And so you start coughing and you cough so hard and laugh so hard <laughs> that your body's like, oh, we're throwing up. <laughs> <laughs> Just crossing all the wires. I'm glad you have goals in life. This is yeah, not thanks. one I share. That's fine. Yeah. So that's, and that's not even, that it wasn't even the, the point of my question. Oh, okay. <laughs> because it was a lead in, it was a self-serve yeah. because I have laughed so hard that my nose bled. Wow. I don't know what that says about my body. Uh-huh. But it's just a fun story some, to tell, I guess. Some deep-seated <laughs> otaku impulse within I, you. <laughs> just getting I random laughing, nosebleeds. I was working at GameStop. I was on shift and we were laughing. <laughs> And we laugh so hard that all of a sudden I'm looking down and I just see drip, drip, drip. No. <laughs> my nose legitimately started bleeding. Oh my it God. It was wild. It was the second time that my nose has ever bled from not picking my nose. It's very interesting. <laughs> Another time was from high pulp orange juice. Oh, that's the best kind of orange juice, though. It's not. <laughs> you I and want, my wife are very strange. <laughs> I want I want the orange I want to I want to drink my orange juice with a spoon. Yeah. I want you to take all the pulp that they took out of the no pulp orange juice and put it in my <laughs> in my orange that juice. That is citrus sludge. Yes. That's what that is. It's perfect. Hard pass. My <laughs> wife buys that specifically to make sure I don't drink her orange juice. Hey, whatever works. It's rude. But I but like it was like 6th grade. I drank high pulp orange juice at, at, at John McDonough's house mm. and my nose started to bleed. And I was like, well, no more, <laughs> no more high pulp for William. <laughs> Does your dad still think John McDonough works for the CIA? I haven't followed up on that theory, but okay. he was so sold on it <laughs> that I feel like 
time is not going to be a factor in this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> that would be fun to talk about. He he does have a very strange life. I'm not going to lie. Oh, uh, your dad's easily best. explained by, well, he works for the government. And so he's going to move all over the place and then meet a girl from Serbia and marry her. Sure. So, yeah, checks out. <laughs> anyway, the entire point of the cold open is that I have laughed so hard that my nose bled. I wanted to know if that has ever happened to you. <laughs> For some camaraderie. <laughs> I can't I can't say that it has. No, I'm sorry. That's fine. I guess I guess this is where the uh I'm, intro I'm, music I'm starts like to, yeah. creeping in. No, no, not yet, not yet. Not I, yet? I, I'm gonna delay this a little longer. I I guess there's no point to it. I'm trying to think of what other bodily reactions <laughs> you might have to laughing so hard, you know. Yeah. Choking is a is a popular one. Yeah, choking. I feel like that doesn't even count. It's like yeah, that's just laughing really hard. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's done that. You're not special. Get the fuck over yourself. Peeing your pants is another one. Okay, yeah, that's, that's something kids also, do. It's and, not something you see a lot in adults. And well, unless they have had children pass through, and you kind of uh-huh. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, it's not you, something you see a lot in in adult men. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess dying would be in it would be a hell <laughs> of a so hard. You die. <laughs> you can't tell that story though. Is the problem? You're not wrong. Unless you're a comic book character, that would be a good a good character death to write in. Just laugh, laugh so hard them. you change reality and you um, go into Marvel six one six. I was gonna say laugh so hard you die, and then they can bring you back later, and you can talk about it but yeah yeah oh that only happens if you're a main character that's true i don't know if i'd be a main character in a comic book <laughs> you don't think so <laughs> i mean if it's my comic i am right but right like, right yeah yeah i don't know if I, I don't know if i have the balls to pull a gwenpool and be like holy crap i'm inside marvel i need to go do some main character shit <laughs> to make sure that i have my own title <laughs> that's so that's that is so self-meta. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. It is real good stuff. All right. Is it time to oh, start so the now, show now? Now it's crescendoing. What are, what, are, what, are, what, are, what is this? Why are we here? talk about the things that were hyped on comic books stuff like that strange bodily functions coming from other more normal bodily functions i'm steve for the podcast i tend to read 1990s marvel comics in the hope that one day i'll read them all and be done with this curse not all marvel comics 90s x-men comics yeah and someday i'll read all x-men comics and be done with this curse will my buddy here reads Every single Marvel 616 trade paperback as it comes out, he has no wish to be free of this curse. He is happily happily uh, invested and visited upon him. All the pain and all the joy. Yes. And you've got a good one this week, right? You've got crossover side stories, as we've mentioned before on this pod, often the best reason to have slash read a crossover. 
and this is Devil's Reign. Yeah, yeah. You said you got it five is, of them. It's often the best reason. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Are we bucking the trend here? Damn! It's it's interesting, and it's not okay. as mind blowing as I would have wanted it to be. Sure, but there's only four, not five. Oh, there's four. Okay, I misspoke. Okay, last time. All right, there could be a fifth that I have lost track of, mm-hmm. and I didn't buy it yet. And I will remedy that for next week. But sure. Until then, until it then. is seven titles. Oh, okay, sure. But four books. Got you. What did you What did you read? I read the entirety of the 1999 Warlock series. It was started oh. intended. Yeah, it was started intended to be an ongoing series. It got canceled after nine issues. Oh, yeah. Notably, it was the return of Louise Simonson to. Ah. X-Men comics. So last week we had Chris Claremont's return and this week his buddy and and uh, frequent editorial collaborator making her return as well. Short-lived. But <laughs> we get to talk about it. Cool. Yeah. Wonderful. And then we don't have Sandman for this week just because there's a lot of material to cover. I know we said we do it this issue or this episode. This episode, but Another Didn't say time. we were going to do it. I also had computer stuff, and so I was focusing on that instead. Yeah, of you know these things happen. It's on me. <laughs> yeah, you know that I would not. Uh, I would not Pass give up, up the opportunity to read Sandman. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but so it goes. All right. Well, shall we get started? Shall we? Yeah. So for me, my four. TPs are Spider Woman, Devil's Reign, okay. Superior Four, okay. which is three issues of Superior Four and one issue of Spider Man. Okay. Devil's Reign X Men, which is three issues of X Men and one issue of Winter Soldier. Okay. And then Devil's Reign Villains for Hire, which is three issues of Villains for Hire and one issue of Moon Knight. Cool. Yeah, so depending on how much we tangent, this isn't going to take too, too long. Okay. okay. So, so this is for Spider-Woman. This is technically Spider-Woman Volume 4 and not specifically Devil's Reign Spider-Woman. Sure, okay. But it does tie in. Yeah, so in, okay. in terms of the difference, these are issues within the same numbering continuity yeah. as opposed to... Devil's Reign, Spider-Woman, one through three or whatever. Right, right. Okay. So that means that the wonder that has been the first three volumes of her dealing with her brother and her newfound niece and her best friend who, her like plus one for stories, which used to be Jerry. (laughs) And then when she was going through her stuff, he was like, you're completely ignoring me. I'm out. We could have had something. We could have had something special, but no. So in the same issue that he moved out, her best, her friend, Jen McCabe, who's a stunt woman for Hollywood. She's a longtime character all the way back to Claremont's run in the, in the 70s and 80s, she guested in in a lot of 80s Uncanny X-Men comics. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so the first issue of the book is her leaving her son with 
Night Nurse. Okay. This is the Linda Carter Night Nurse. Okay. And visiting McCabe, uh, Lindsay on set of the movie that she's working on. Okay. And then because comics, some hired ninjas show up to attack Lindsay because of some money that she borrowed from a guy in Majapur. <laughs> Something that I guess they're going to explore later because they didn't explore it in this issue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they stop the assassins and then there's a note on the window in, in the bathroom that says, this is all your fault, Jessica Drew. And it's like, okay. And then <laughs> after that, <laughs> the next issue is the tie-in with Devil's Reign. Sure. Where we find out that... So remember in Devil's Reign, we find out that Kingpin has files on Basically everyone. Right. He he is the S.H.I.E.L.D. superhero registration database that doesn't exist anymore, basically. Sure. <laughs> and so he gives Spider-Woman's file to somebody of Jessica Drew's historical importance who is an inmate at Ravencroft. Okay. And we don't see who it is at first. Nope. Gotcha. I, I should point out that the Thunderbolt militia attacked Jessica Drew while she was visiting Lindsay McCabe because she was injured in the attack uh, at the hospital. And so Jessica actually goes and confronts Wilson, oh, which okay. is interesting. Yeah. She narrowly escapes that fight. And then because of that, Kingpin's like, okay, well, I know who to give her file to. So uh-huh. she gives the file to somebody, and then we find out it was Queen Varonki or Varonk. Oh, who the, apparently the survived. Yeah, that's a surprise because <laughs> the whole right? th- the whole reason Norman Osborn. So Varonke, let's <laughs> let's scoot back a little bit here. Yeah, Varonk. <laughs> I'm just gonna pronounce her name Varonke and assume I'm correct, which is yeah, it's V E R A N K E. Yeah, and she was the queen of the scrolls, the scroll invasion force that was behind the excellent crossover Secret Invasion. Mm-hmm. And she impersonated Jessica Drew, as scrolls are wont to do, but that was her deep cover to infiltrate Earth and its heroes, et cetera, et cetera. Time. Yeah, she was, she was Jessica Drew for a very long time. She was the Jessica that lived through House of M. That's right. Interestingly, randomly yeah. enough. That was uh that was a it was a long, long wind up. Bendis Bendis had a lot of shit going. Yeah. It was impressive. Yeah, you know what? Peak Bendis, he had some all right things yeah. going on. Yeah. Bendis's ultimate Spider-Man run is by I've far heard his it was best really good, book, honestly. Yeah. And I really liked, so you know, good. the original Alias series, too. Mm. And a lot of that New Avengers run. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, so Ver- Queen Veronica was assumed dead at the end of Secret Invasion. Norman Osborn just, like, in my memory, he just, like, walked up behind her and shot her with a shotgun. And was like, okay, invasion's over, everybody. I did the thing. You want to, like, crown me king of the government now? And they they did. Sort of. At the end of the big climactic battle of all the superpowered scrolls versus all the superheroes, Veronk is doing her like 
monologue, her villain speech. Right. And then she basically says, like, if you want to stop me, you're going to have to kill me. And the heroes don't kill, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, a bullet-sized hole shows up in her forehead. Gotcha. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? And then you turn the page, and it's Norman Osborn with the sniper rifle. Or just, I guess, a rifle. Sure. In front of the crowd. And through okay. that... That's how you're supposed to assume Veronke, Veronke died because a bullet to the head will do that. And so. also because <laughs> this was the, the whole basis for Norman's power turn was killing her. Yes. And so because Norman Osborn, quote unquote, stopped the secret invasion, he right. was given leadership of S.H.I.E.L.D. He rebranded S.H.I.E.L.D. to Hammer. It's a, yeah. Hired Victoria Hand. Han's first job was to come up with what Hammer stands for. Uh, she never did. No, that was a pretty funny <laughs> bit. That was a funny bit. Yeah. Uh, Enter Dark Avengers, Thunderbolts. It was a, it was a whole thing. You know, it was an but, interesting time yeah. for comics. But yeah, so Veronke is back. She is alive. Veronke is back. She's given Jessica Drew's file. So she knows about, now she knows about her son, her relationship with Night Nurse and Carol Danvers, McCabe, all this stuff. So sure. she she gets out of Ravencroft. She's let out of Ravencroft. She turns into Jessica. She goes and takes her son from Night Nurse as Jessica. Night Nurse is like, something is wrong. And then, and then Jessica shows up, and then the two of them fight dressed as each other. Comics happens. Carol Danvers shows up and basically is in charge of babysitting her son. So Jessica and Veronke can duke it out. It it it, it lasted an issue. Yeah. So like Lots she's of not with that are a problem. <laughs> gotcha. Um, it ends with Jessica being in the crosshairs of a sniper rifle. And some guy's like, I have the shot. Should I take the shot? And then it's like, no, we're, ta- we're taking our time with this. So she's going to answer to the anti-Iraq 9. Oh, boy. <sighs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the anti-Iraq nine is a thing and it's led by the like nine, like the number nine, like it's like a sinister six, but it's nine. And yes. Anti-Iraq nid, but then instead of, and they say comics don't have any new ideas. All right. It's great. Yeah. It's led by the old lady who we got introduced to in volume one who turned into a part dinosaur <laughs> at the end of that volume because uh-huh. of the shenanigans at Mount Wondegore. Yeah. She is leading the anti-Iraq nine in partnership with her brother, with Jess's brother who goes by Aternum, Michael Marchand. He okay. goes by Aternum now and his girlfriend Rose. So the three of them arguably lead it. And it's made up of members. The members are all anyone who has fought Jessica in these last three volumes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 
<laughs> I don't know how they cross paths with each other. Yeah. But this is basically just kind of like the rogues gallery of this run of Spider-Woman. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you have like the two sword brothers that were in jail back in like back in black okay. that shared a mystical sword together or whatever. Stegron is yeah. a member. <laughs> sure. <laughs> because he got like referenced back in the, <laughs> back in one of the issues and but he's he doesn't particularly have a grudge against Jessica but he thinks Octavia who's part dinosaur now is hot and so he <laughs> wants to like get her favor. <laughs> well, uh, I mean I'm in favor of more Stegron, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there's a giant bug who like as they go down, so they're going around the room, like yeah. interrogating people, like, why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you here? And it's like, oh, the teenage girl I've almost raised, blah, blah, blah. It's like from Spider-Woman number nine. Ha. Huh? And then two cells later, it's like, why are you here? Oh, well, his kingdom was destroyed by Captain Marvel sure. and Spider-Woman. Oh, back in Spider-Woman number six. Ha. Huh? And it's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, so- we get it. You wrote a comic book. Yeah, see Spider-Woman number 13. It's just all of them. And each of them try. Oh, and then there's one guy who his truck, his monster truck was a gift from his wife. And it got destroyed in a random scrap <laughs> that that Spider-Woman was having sure. like, a volume or two ago. The Brothers Grimm are here and then they start talking about how there's too many sets of brothers and do they count as one or two members because their goal is to try to get nine members and they're trying okay, to figure that's out the pretty head silly. Count. okay <laughs> um Lady that Bullseye. sounds legitimately funny to me but i can it, i mean i can see that if you're if you're already fed up with the book in general the the, <laughs> the jokes will just be like okay yeah whatever get me out of this yeah. thing okay so the last two issues of this, which are the arachnine issues, yeah, are funny. Okay. It's just that I've already choked down three issues of totally not that funny and three <laughs> volumes like, before ah. that, that. Yeah, yeah, but like the art direction is kind of fun, yeah, as far as like cell placement, like it they don't use oh, all cool. of the page. Um, yeah, and yeah. it's kind of it's it's fun to look at mm-hmm. the banter is there. It gets to the point where the captions are bantering with each other. They have two sets of captions okay. of editor's notes and the editors are talking back and forth. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that so, does sound fun. So you have, this is my favorite breakdown. So each one of these cells has a sentence and each one has a reference. And so you have this many reference checks <laughs> just being like yeah 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 and so it just uh, it just says damn it still had that uh, still mad that michael got webbies when he went all h and m i never get i never got webbies can't believe he teamed up with freaking octavia either she tried to kill all of us asterisk asterisk and he's still dating rose she's the worst asterisk 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 <laughs> seriously michael and stegron both have terrible taste in women asterisk 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 wait 
Rose lost all her powers. Asterisk, 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 asterisk. <laughs> how's, how's she still doing zappies? Oh, magic wristbands. Cheater. Okay, I'll be honest. This is hurting a lot. Okay, so asterisk one, Spider-Woman 14. Asterisk two, Spider-Woman <laughs> four and five. Asterisk three, Spider-Woman 14, 15, and 21. The one you're reading now. Asterisk, 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 asterisk. Spider-Woman 20 and 21. Asterisk, 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 asterisk. Spider-Woman number 15. And then just another one of just, damn, we seriously went bonkers with this book, huh? <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, um, are you familiar with uh the incredible Hercules run where they use the automatopoeia sound effects? No, I didn't read that one. So John John will tell you that his favorite example of this is when Thor when Hercules gave Thor a purple nurple and <laughs> The sound effect was nurple in purple text. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, that is, that is deliciously meta. And then, like, say he does something like, you a can backhand. only do in comics. Absolutely. Yeah. Say he does like a backhand of somebody, the sound effect will be backhand. Nice. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so on here, there was just does a kick on Rose and it says stepped mom. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is where the banter between two editors happens. Okay. And it says, see, it's funny because step like what a foot does, but shut up, Carla. <laughs> <laughs> this is from five other editors. <laughs> so anyway, she trades blows with her brother and says, bro down. Mm-hmm. And then his daughter her niece gets involved and hits him and says dad <laughs> it's just, it's just okay. stuff yeah anyway it ends with just winning and then i guess obviously but it's just kind of like she's like okay well that happened and i am spider woman <laughs> the, end. the end so i'm really hoping <laughs> this is it but like there's yeah. still this Lindsay McCabe kind of side story. If he felt so inclined, I can see him doing another like sure. couple issues or sorry, her Carla Pacheco sure. doing a few issues of that. I don't need it, nor do I want it, but <laughs> it we'll could see. I, the book could continue from here. There is. The yeah. This was room. 21 issues. I can see okay. them doing 22 through 24 yeah. just to close it out and have a, have a solid 24 run. Mm-hmm. But Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to do Devil's Reign X-Men. So okay, this is X-Men and Winter Soldier. Three issues of X-Men, one issue of Winter Soldier. Fun little tidbit that I didn't know. I don't know if you know, but back in the day, uh-huh. just as Elektra was one of Kingpin's go-to assassins, yeah. so was Emma Frost. According to this. Interesting. When she was okay. a white queen. That might be new. I think it's new, but I didn't I didn't want to speak yeah. X-Men history to the X-Men guy. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that I think that's new. Yeah, so it was uh it was quite interesting. So basically Oh god. I'm Emma gonna have would to be reread sent- the 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 Emma Frost series that oh. came out in the mid two thousands. Did a lot of backstory there. Ugh. Emma get would get sent for the death of a thousand cuts, removal of enemies. Okay. Like make them get rid of their territory, make sure. them lose all their power, all their money, and then 
and then we can off them. Yeah. And Electra would be sent for the quick kill. Sure. Cool. In the past, Electra did a quick kill and a girl across the alleyway saw it. And Electra reaches out to Emma and is like, hey, did mm. you go and make this kid forget? Thanks. Also, let's see, was that worth talking about? I don't. There's <laughs> some other interactions with, I guess, the X Men team that got announced at Hellfire. Yeah, God, we're really just tearing through. It's a just going to keep on happening. I know. <laughs> we we gotta we gotta we gotta read we gotta read this. I know. I guess it's fourteen or whatever the last one is is coming out like next week, right? Um, maybe you you keep weeks. going. I'll look I'll look it up. But yeah, so then in those dealings, basically. Uh, without giving anything really away, Emma uses the Krakoan embassy's power to remove the king kingpin's legitimacy over the mutants' activities in New York. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And then we get a past, a memory of Emma Frost impersonated Sue Storm okay. to take out to take out a loan for a couple for a couple million dollars for, <laughs> for Fisk. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Right? And so that went down. And then you just get like flashbacks of other missions that Emma went on for uh, Fisk. And then we get the explanation of what happened with the little girl. Basically, she spirited the little girl away and hit her away at a farm in the UK. Okay. So that gets revealed and Emma borrows Kate's Red Queen pirate gear and goes to the UK to go and get her because basically Fisk uses his file to accuse Emma Frost of murder of this little girl. Got you. And so, so Emma's like, well, let me just go get her and <laughs> yeah. And then that's not going to be a problem anymore. Right. So union Jack captures her. He's wearing side dampeners. She gets the rest of the police force to stop him because they don't think side dampeners work or a thing. There's, <laughs> there's a group of psychic deniers. Like anti, anti-vaxxer. Yeah. <laughs> and so. That's amazing. Yeah, so they don't think psychic psychic powers are real, and they also believe that psychic that psi dampeners will could potentially give you cancer, so they don't wear them. <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> so Emma uses them to get to take out the guys who were using psi dampeners. <laughs> I love and it. That gets her away. She goes and finds a girl who has grown up. Turns out she's she got trained uh, by Electra. Electra found her. And then sure. trained her on how to fight. And so that's kind of fun. And then Emma brings her back and she gets this girl through a Krokoan gate. Huh. Well, they can they they can get guests through the gate. Right. Because they did yeah. that with Brian. They also did it with like all the diplomats, the human diplomats during House of X, kind of at the very beginning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So 
that was just kind of weird. But mm-hmm. she gets her back to into town to you know exonerate her or whatever. Emma does one last visit of Fisk while he's in bed with Mary, and basically says, "You've made a hell of an enemy. It's not going to happen now, but guarantee you, I will have my revenge." When everything comes falling down around you, remember remember me. Hell yes. And then she pieces out. Hell yes. <laughs> the issue of Winter Soldier is interesting. So okay. Bucky is dealing with the fact that he hasn't been able to sleep for like weeks. Aha. This is why we need to read Sandman. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and at the same time, while we're watching him do his thing, we see yeah. Fisk is setting something up that he goes to his house to sleep for the night. And Wesley sets it up where all the guards have no familial connection. I'm like that's odd. Hmm. But whatever. I assumed that was like a uh, like a like a safety measure of just like okay. plausible deniability or some shit. I don't know. Okay. But Fisk actually uses his mind control cane to tell himself to go to sleep. Cool. Which was interesting. Yeah. Because he's just so this whole devil's ring yeah. event is really just messing with him. And so he uses it to force himself to sleep, he which is, was, he is like, he is the human villain in Marvel, who shows his humanity the most fully, the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, he's a big yeah. deal and he, he never uses tech. He's, he's yeah. big and he's right. very strong. Right. But he is very much a human. <laughs> and, but, and, and not just in terms of superpowers, but in terms of like emotionality, rage, jealousy, you know, pettiness, you know, trappings of power, ego. And, and exhaustion, you know, yeah. just like normal human strengths, traits, limitations, etc. Mm-hmm. What a good character! Yeah, he's he's amazing. <laughs> yeah, started out as a Spider-Man villain, and then just made way more sense to make him a Daredevil villain. Yeah, and they just haven't looked back since. It's been so much fun. So Bucky finds out about Fisk's files, mm. and. We learn here that Bucky doesn't remember his time as the Winter Soldier. Oh. Okay. So when he was the Winter Soldier, back when he got introduced by Brubaker's run in the early yeah. 2000s, yeah. Steve used a cosmic cube to undo his brainwashing. Right. And that's it. And then so he was just Bucky from then on. Right. Trying to figure out what he's doing with his life. <laughs> totally. Which goes a little against some of the other stuff because as winter soldier he trained black widow right and they had a romance then and then when he became bucky he they still kind of went and like redid their romance right so like uh, like sure i get you could argue it that natasha just told him what happened but, right eh. yeah <laughs> like can you imagine waking up one day and then some some Russian redhead is just like, hey, by the way, we used to be lovers. Let's yeah. let's pick back up. <laughs> <laughs> like that's uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it's it's not a big deal. But point is, he wants to get Wilson's file to find out what he did as Winter Soldier. Okay. So he's going and infiltrating the house at the same time that Fisk 
is trying to sleep at this house. Sure. So the main thing with Fisk is he he's trying to tell himself that he doesn't need to know who Daredevil is. Like that's what's tearing him up because he was happy. He was at peace. He got married with Mary and just opening the daredevil file and seeing that it was blank just led him down this entire path. Yeah. Yeah, And so he's trying to convince himself that he doesn't need to know. And Mm -hmm. so while Bucky is infiltrating, he sees that there's no guards and he doesn't know what's going on. Hmm. And then he sees that, he finds the files and then you see, hear something behind him and he turns around and there's this hulking kingpin cool. with bloodied fists. Shit. And he turns out he's sleepwalking. Oh shit. And he's just in this trance and he just starts yelling. I don't need to know. I don't need to know. Cool. And he starts flailing his wrist, his hands and he fucking Beats the shit out of Bucky. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's wild. And he gets away and 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 Kingpin's trying to kill him, basically. <laughs> Bucky's trying to wake him up. <laughs> and they have a whole fucking throwdown in the entire house. Cool. He gets out, but not after he gets the files. And so... Nice. Bucky gets his file, but then he also, I believe, I want to say, I want to say he got the rest of the files. Yeah. He got the rest of the files and he burned them. Interesting. So Fisk, and there's a reference to this in the main storyline. Cool. So I was excited to read this, but yeah. Yeah. So the way it was presented made it sound like Bucky was on a mission to destroy the files, Uh but it was just like, he came across these others and he's like, nah, Interesting. So he got rid of those. He kept his. Okay. And so it kind of opens the door for a Winter Soldier storyline. Totally. To have him go and like explore his past, just yeah. like they did with Wolverine Origins. Right, right, right. I remember everything. Right. Yeah. Which spawned yeah. right out of uh, House of M. Right. God, we've read a lot of comics. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> the next one I want to cover. Yeah, I'm going to keep Superior Four for. Last because okay. I read that one last because I was most excited for it. Sure. But I was also really let down. So uh Devil's Reign Villains for Hire starts with basically the the villains who are given the Thunderbolt badges. Yeah. To basically act as Thunderbolts. You've got Whiplash, Rhino, Electro, Agni, and Taskmaster. They go and take out a terrorist group who attacked the Met Gala. Nice. Which there's an there's an interesting talk about the Met Gala, like talking about how like the rich dress up in these lavish gowns and Mm -hmm. costumes basically where you can't even tell the difference between a superhero and some rich person (laughs) at the Met Gala. Oh, interesting. And then they get attacked by the Humanity Liberation Movement who is mad at the attendees of the Met Gala because the money they spent on their clothes, they could have spent helping the poor. So they get attacked by HLM. Yes. Do they ever like kind of like put a line on the top and bottom of the H to, I don't know, make it look like a B? This seems very stretch. Like they're really trying to say something here. (laughs) (laughs) Stretch. I mean, they're dressed up as 
the like cookie cutter thug ski oh, mask, sawed off shotguns, generic boring yeah. clothes. So there's there, no, they didn't make the connection. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I would have been very frustrated. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So they are trying to make a statement. In making that statement, the Thunderbolts show up. They stop them. And then they borderline kill people. Like Agony can spit acid and she spits it on this guy's hand and face. Rhino is the only one who is actually trying to like save people. Hmm. He's getting in between the reporters and the gunfire. Whereas the others are just using their badge to inflict sure. pain. Okay. That's all done. They go, they go back to the precinct and they're waiting for Fisk to show up and they start getting each other's faces because they have volatile personalities. Sure. And then Fisk finally shows up and they got tired of waiting. And he's like, you guys are being ridiculous. This is, you guys are being dumb. You guys need to go to where I know this drug ring or this gun running ring is happening. Go deal with that and they're like okay and then (laughs) at the end of that mission u.s agent shows up and he's like you guys need a leader i can be that leader and he well he goes to fisk and he's like your 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 guys are a problem they're you have them under control now but it's only gonna be a matter of time before they go too far let me be your uh leash sounds like they knew the thunderbolts lineup that's going to be in the movie before Dude, it was announced there, huh? There's, There's been, I've seen a good amount of non-support of the Thunderbolts lineup. Really? Because they there's no variety of power set. Oh, interesting. Like, it's all super soldiers. Oh, punches. And ghost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. So, yeah, it, it is... Like what? So like I saw it and I was like, oh, these are all anti-heroes who have been introduced in like phase three and phase four. Okay, right. I get it. Yeah. But then other people are like, no, like, <laughs> like this is ridiculous. I'm like, oh yeah, I see it. <laughs> well, no, we'll we'll see what happens. They're they're yeah. likable enough characters. Right. Like, I understand the complaint. Yeah. Because like Thunderbolts slash Suicide Squad is your chance to like really just kind of make like a, uh, oh, it's actually called a suicide when you go to like to um, the <laughs> soda machine and get a little bit of every oh, flavor. Yeah. Yep. Like that's your chance to do it. You can't do that with an Avengers team. It's kind of true. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that, that was your chance and they just kind of <laughs> dropped the ball potentially. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I reserve zero judgments until I totally. So. Yep. I guess I reserve all judgment. Not zero judgment. Withhold judgment. Yeah. I withhold all judgment. Anyway, so they go on their first mission. US agent rings them in. Electro gets all pissed and tries to electrocute them. Doesn't work. He (laughs) they they try to go too far. He puts each one down. And then a scene later, you find out that he was wearing a wire and the wire got fried. And he was actually sent by the CIA to get as close to Fisk as possible to stop or rein him in or potentially take him out if it's needed. That's interesting because he is still, you know, an elected official. (laughs) 
No. <laughs> yeah. Sending, so I the mean, CIA gives zero Fs. Are we sure that this isn't like, you know, a veiled right wing conspiracy plot book? Because, you know, the federal government spending sending spy spooks to uh you know go after controversial right-wing uh elected officials and particularly like large white guys who like to have their names on buildings and then also this this uh blm mix-up uh i don't know i feel i'm i'm, I'm feeling a uh a, a, a subtextual undercurrent here of a particular viewpoint I will say it's hard not to when you are tasked with telling a story that needs to be compelling about bad guys having to be good. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hear you. I mean, I'm not saying that like political subtext is bad. I just, and not having read this myself, I don't know what they're saying about this. You know, mm-hmm. what, what right. sort of it's, it's in the, position it's in they're the taking here. Fine. It's in the details and the conversations right, that, exactly. that we skip over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm grasping at straws here. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Uh, like, yes and no. I think if they didn't keep on doing a bigger villain to deal with in these situations, like if it was always dealing with, because in the next issue they have an actual powered villain, if it was always dealing with civilians and mm. civilian situations i think that would have given them a chance to dive into that i also think if they did an actual title of just thunderbolts or villains for hire that was an ongoing monthly oh during sure. fisk's reign as mayor yeah then they totally could have done that because the fisk trump comparison is oh yeah obvious and you know from the yes. start yeah. So your question. Yeah. Because he didn't create this team until Devil's Reign. Sure. I don't think we're going to get a chance to really explore that. That makes sense. Okay, cool. Which is a good point. I think that would have been maybe too on the nose, but it would have been also interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like how how does the uh yeah, how does the federal government involve itself in this and how is that different or the same than how you know things shook out in real life, etc. Yeah, because the last time we had that was when we had a black Captain America, and that was right. literally the entire storyline mm-hmm. was all this hashtag not my captain and then or not my cap, and then also the Americops who right. were super soldier cops with faceless masks patrolling primarily minority neighborhoods and enforcing the law. Right. <laughs> and then most recently, as we've sort of alluded to, like the conversation about the Eternals and mm-hmm. how the deviants are a uh, allegory for, you know, racialized minority groups. Yeah. yeah my, groups of minorities and, and the Eternals have this auto he was, he has a, he has a, my life was under, under threat <laughs> policeman yeah, mentality. Yeah. Of yeah, yeah. Just, my brain shuts off and I automatically terminate the deviant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I love that. And, and I would love to see a comic take on uh-huh. a little, a, a little more blatantly an issue like that yeah or just or a little more 
Yeah, either blatant or just like actually dealing with the issues that they kind of hint at instead of just like pointing at it and being like, see, right. we're topical. Like, yeah, no, it's only you're only going to see it if you're sitting here reviewing it. Right. If you're just reading it one issue at a time, month over month, it may not be as obvious. Or, or it, it saves you the responsibility of having to actually say something with your story. If you're just, <laughs> if you're just kind of like, you know, pointing at the issues and being like, look how topical we are and not having mm-hmm. like, you know, a point of view, a, a, a point to your story, a, a moral interrogation of the real world in, in some sort of way. Yeah. But alas, but alas, the next issue we have a <laughs> rally and this woman with like poisonous purple man powers her name, I think, is like, oh, God. I think her name is Conviction or <laughs> okay. something. It's something weird, but, like, she's purple and has black eyes, and she has a corrupting touch. Okay. And so she touches you. She turns you all black-eyed with veins and sure. into a mindless mob. Okay. She touches Electro, and Electro starts is about to fry the entire congregation. Rhino knocks her out and then she touches Agony and Agony's symbiote is able to expel the poison. She touches US agent and Agony is like, I got you. And she's able to use her symbiote to expel his poison. Mm-hmm. They, they try to take her out, but like they don't say where she went or what they did with her, but it's just, it's literally just like, the scene ends and then they move on to the next part. <laughs> so, okay. Interesting. It was the, the, the woman was really just there to show an agony that is willing to help her teammates kind of a thing. Okay. Sure. And that's literally kind of all it was <laughs> because up until this point, agony was the acid spitter and right routinely would go out too far yeah same with electro and rhino was the only one that seemed to have a heart yeah so, so what's up with gave, is this a is this a consistent character i really don't know rhino much at all as a character is this consistent characterization for him or is this uh something yeah. new okay they make him way more native english speaker in this because mm. he's he's russian he's right alexei I yeah, think, I can't pronounce his last name, but sure. like he doesn't want to do the rhino thing. He never oh. wanted. Well, after he did it the first time, it was it was like a mob gangster sure. thing. And then he got it. He got out. And then a rhino pretender like rhino two, basically, okay. who used a more mechanical suit. Yeah, showed up and tried to, and he felt in order to become Rhino, he had to take out Alexei, and sure. so he attacks Alexei and his wife at, out to dinner. Spider-Man tries to get involved, but the new Rhino is too powerful, and in order for Alexei to get out of this, he has to put the Rhino suit back on. He puts the Rhino suit sure. back on. In that storyline, his wife gets killed. Gotcha. And he blames Spider-Man for that entire situation. Okay. So whatever, dude. <laughs> Alex, yeah. So Alexei Rhino takes out the Rhino Pretender, and then he 
for like, because well, comics not doing anything else if, anymore. I may as well be a bad guy. Yeah, and if he put the suit back on again, it would be a permanent bond to oh, his suit, sure. and so he can't even take it off anymore. So he's never wanted to be a bad guy, with the exception of like the job here and there to pay the bills. Sure. Okay. And so, yeah. Good to know. He he's low on the spectrum of evil when it comes right. to like villains. Yeah, yeah. And then you know it's just children are like a, a draw the line kind of thing. Right. right. So that issue ends with Rhino being like, "Too many innocents were hurt," and then now you're going to send us after children. I'm out. So yeah. he leaves the Thunderbolt program, and they're like, "Well, we don't have a heavy hitter. We need to go and pick up these children." And Kingpin's like, "I got you." And so he brings out Abomination. Oh shit! Okay, sure. And so, <laughs> so Thunderbolts, Sans Rhino, plus Abomination go to pick up the children, which we saw in, in Devil's Reign. And the end of the issue is when the champions go and show up and uh, fight the Thunderbolts, and we see how that pans out in Devil's Reign. So that's the end of the issue run. Cool. And then you get Moon Knight. Interesting. One issue of Moon Knight. And Moon Knight was the first hero captured by this whole Powers Act thing. Yeah, yeah. So so (laughs) he gets taken to the Myrmidon, which is the same place where Reed and Sue got taken. And coincidentally, all of the people that Moon Knight has put away. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. So, So... He's there. And I'm not locked in here with you, et cetera, et cetera. You're locked in here with yeah, me kind yeah. of shit. So he's going around. He he meets his cellmate, who is this guy, 8-Ball. Okay. <laughs> but he doesn't have his costumes. It's just like some regular Joe. <laughs> and he's talking all big. He's like, hey, man, I'm 8-Ball. Fireman, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Sleepwalker. I've gone toe-to-toe with them all. Even died one time. Can you believe that? The hood brought me back to be part of his gang, but I cut bait. I'm not a follower, you dig? More of a mastermind. That's why I'm in here. It was getting a little too hot on the streets, so vacation to the Crossbar Hotel seemed like a good idea. So what about you? What's new? You're, uh, What about you, new fish? What, what are you in for? Mask beef. No way. What was your name out on the streets? Maybe we worked together one time. Moon Knight. So, God, so they go to the mess hall and go and have lunch. And then this guy with like this like scar on his forehead starts messing with eight ball because he's the little bitch of the crew. And Mark stands up to him. He's like, who the hell are you supposed to be? He's like me. I'm the guy who carved the moon on your head. The guy <laughs> runs away. <laughs> and then after that gets pointed out, you see others who have moons <laughs> carved on their foreheads, <laughs> which is a thing that this latest run of Moon Knight, I think, is doing. Okay. And they just have they just have little like homages to him being Moon Knight. Like, this is one of my favorite cells. Just fully, his portrait fully silhouetted in black with glowing eyes. Yeah, with just glowing eyes, because Mark Spector is a boss. (laughs) And so Moon Knight goes over and talks to all these people who have these scars on their foreheads. And he's just like, 
He says, bunch of first class losers without your secondhand gimmick guns and third rate superpowers. We ought to have a reunion soon, boys. Swap stories about the old days. Maybe you can remind me what stupid names you went by before I decorated your faces. You know where to find me. Uh, So he's just antagonizing literally everyone. Sure. And then one of the Thunderbolt guards is, is like, oh, God, convict, you stink. Go take a shower shoves them into um, the showers and closes the door. Mm-hmm. Turns out there's five guys with moon scars on their foreheads. Of course. With chains and weapons yep. all waiting for them. Yeah, classic Gar- pr- prison <laughs> yeah. jumping scene yep. story. Gar- is outside counting his money. And then a bloodied Mark Spector comes out and he says, shower's broken. <laughs> <laughs> And the guy's like, what? How? There are five of them in there. He's like, and there's still five of them in there. (laughs) More or less. (laughs) And then, so he finds out about this, like, fight ring that every prison fucking has. Right. And he's like, get me in there. He's like, yeah, 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 sure. uh, Whatever you need. And he's like, well, I just need one thing. And and they get him a little mask. And so he draws a little fucking crescent on the forehead. (laughs) And so he's just going through the ranks in this fighting ring wearing this beating mask. the absolute hell out of everybody yeah uh-huh. and just going through the ranks and bout number three is Moon Knight versus Mr. Fish it's all it get, he gets uh, montaged of these different fights that he's doing yeah. and the lengths that the prison's going to to try to get him to lose Right. like bout five is the handicap round it's Moon Knight versus Killer Strike and Cactus Killer Shrek doesn't have his gauntlets, but Cactus is literally a living cactus. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, tough to so punch the next that cell, guy. Yeah, this is the next cell is Moon Knight picking out all these, all the like the spines. Yeah, yeah, out of his hands and stuff. And it's a really fun monologue. Cool, but he's in his solitary confinement cell now, and this big guy called Man Mountain Marco. Who's mm-hmm. not to be confused with Kane, Kane Marco. Marco? Okay, that would have been my first thought. I thought this was Juggernaut Kane Marco. Yeah. But he is the you know the crown champion of the fighting ring. And sure. Moon Knight's making his way up to that. Yeah. And the guy's like, he goes and sees him. He's like, I got a 12-year-old daughter that looks bigger and meaner than you takes after her old man you i just don't see whatever why what everyone's so scared of goes mm-hmm. and so mark goes <sighs> and goes there now do you see and he makes a little like fog <laughs> um, <laughs> moon knight mask over his face uh-huh. <laughs> it's just so cool. That is cool and then as we're leading up to this fight and they're about to go in we find out that Sorry. Well, so he has his fight, and then in the middle of the fight, we get a flashback to Mr. Knight, who has we've only covered one volume, but yeah, he has this like program now where people can go and ask his help, ask for his help during the night. He's the protector of the movers of the night or whatever, walkers right. of the night. Yeah. And this woman came to talk to him and said that she is she's scared. And she said, my name is Judith Court. I went, I went back to my maiden name. Back when I was married, though, my, it was Judith Marco. And mm-hmm. he's like, ah, your ex-husband, uh, Michael Man Mountain Marco, said, we have a daughter, a daughter 
Michael just left after she was born, never saw her, but she's 12 now and she's taking after him. His powers, I mean, she's strong and he found out somehow and that makes her valuable to him. He's in prison, but he writes to me. He's going to take her from from me when he gets out. He's going to kill me and make her like he is. Mr. Knight, she's 12 and she likes to paint. And he says, you know, you have nothing to be afraid of. You and your daughter are under my protection. Okay. So... Now it all comes back around. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and then Marco is standing over Moon Knight and Moon Knight is just like, nah. <laughs> he gets up and then chokes him out. And then at the very end, he says, let me, t- let me tell you a secret, Marco. No punk ass cops or third tier supervillains could have put me in here if I didn't want to be. No prison could hold me if I wanted to leave. I came here for you. <laughs> I came here to teach you a lesson and deliver a message. The lesson, I can get you anywhere, no matter how safe you think you are. The message, you will never see your ex-wife and daughter again, or I'll do things to you that would make what I did to Bushman look like a mercy. (laughs) You understand me, Marco? (laughs) Yeah. And he says, okay, I get you, Moon Knight. Just, uh, he let him go after he choked yeah. him out. And he says, just like how I'm going to get Judith when I get out of here. Just like how I'm going to get my little girl. And Moon Knight it gets one of his like blank looks yeah. on his face with glowing eyes. And he just says, I gave you a choice. Remember that. I said, you're never going to see them again. And so he pulls, he pulls a mountain from Game of Thrones and uh-huh. just oh, gouges out both no. of his eyes with his thumbs. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And so, so Marco is now blind. And then the Thunderbolt guards come in and he's like, well, that's what I came here to do. And so he goes and fights the Thunderbolt guards. <laughs> and then, and eight ball is cleaning the the hallway he's like bro you didn't have to do that <laughs> and he's, he's like i did it was, it was literally my job and then he's just like i just have to wait because the heroes are gonna we're gonna rise up and then we're gonna get out of here and it'll i'll be back to doing my job well so <laughs> so that's moon Knight. question real quick yeah we talked about Kane Marco, a.k.a. the Juggernaut, who this uh-huh. is not. We also uh-huh. have Flint Marco, a.k.a. Sandman. Sandman, yeah. There's a lot of Marcos. Do you think there's a guy named Marco who just, like, pissed off Stan Lee one day? <laughs> <laughs> and st- <laughs> Damn, I wish. I wish I knew. Not that I wish someone pissed off Stan Lee, but... Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's hilarious. Or, or was an asshole to him or did something. It was just like. Right? Because we'll you see. don't like. You'll see. They're not related. No. And yet you have three different Marcos now who yeah. are villains. And have had all of them. I mean, Stan Lee created all of them, I think. Like, they all go back to the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, my gosh. To be fair. Stan was notorious for forgetting his own characters' names. Right. That's why he went with alliteration for so many. Yeah. And why we have hilarious. Robert Bruce Banner. He called him (laughs) He called him Bob in one issue. And they're like, uh uh uh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's funny because they're all similar build too. They're like 
all three Marcos are muscle bound. I'm guessing boys. this was a real guy who Stan didn't like. That's hilarious. I never even would have thought of that. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. I bet. Oh man. Now I want to know. Either that or it's like, you know, some circus strong man or somebody who had that build and, and he was right. like, and he just periodically forgot that he already had a Marco in there. <laughs> I want to be- so believe the former though. I think I, I like that one too. Cause like <laughs> there are people who have different last names and end up being related. Right. <laughs> like Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch. Sure. But like, then you have the three Marcos. They're arguably, God, are they the only ones that have the same this, last name and aren't related? Like of all of the named characters right. in the Marvel universe, they're pretty good about not doubling up on names. That's true. They are. Especially last names. Yeah. But Marco seems to slip right through. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, that is that's theory worthy for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. Superior four. Superior four. On a meta level. Okay. This didn't make sense. <laughs> okay. So you know how I told you in Devil's Reign when we got introduced to these. So okay, sorry. Yeah. Superior four consists yes. of Otto Octavius, yes. Doctor Octopus from Six One Six, also a Wolverine with tentacles, a Hulk right. with tentacles, and a Ghost Rider with tentacles. Uh, with extra limbs, I should say. Continuing Marvel's insistence on just like stapling every combination of two characters together and being like, huh? It's a new character. <laughs> huh? Right? So in Devil's Reign, he specifically said, you are all autos who have taken over the minds of one of your adversaries. Yeah. Okay. The first page shows the childhood of Otto Blaze, Otto Banner, and Otto Howlett. Oh, so they're just dudes named Otto who, through nominative determinism, became obsessed with octopuses. But also... Octopodes, octopodes. Not Otto Octavius rewriting somebody else's mind. No, no, no. They actually lived Johnny Blaze's life, Bruce Banner's life, and James Howlett's life. Just named Otto. And that was enough. The, the first name was enough to turn them into octopus-obsessed villains. Well, he specifically found them and like the, the Otto Howlett part of his mutation seemed to actually be these extra Adam... The, spike tentacle okay so so he went he went searching throughout the multiverse for Mm -hmm. a wolverine who not only had this (laughs) this uh octopus like manifestation of his mutant powers but also happened to be named otto and became the best of what there is at what he does right (laughs) yeah so it's really obnoxious. <laughs> I mean, kudos for the for the you know level of detail. Uh-huh. You've, if you've got infinite possible you know universes in the multiverse, right. then eventually you will find your Otto Verine unicorn. But like, holy shit, dude, that's <laughs> persistence. Yeah. So 
in Devil's Reign, Otto found out about the Forever Gate. And right. this is what he's using to go and figure all this out. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just like, no, no, no. <laughs> right? Imagine. No. no. <laughs> and this is, this is, uh, there's just a handful of things that make these three issues not fit within everything else in 616. Yeah. He uses the Forever Gate multiple times. Right. When in Fantastic Four, it is specific, like power you have source to build up to a charge. Yeah, yeah. And you only get so many uses. <laughs> this but is why. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then on top of that, just in Devil's Reign, they're like, hey, we're superior people who at one point took over mines. Yeah. And then the first page is like, well, we're not. So. <laughs> Let's just keep going. It's like it's like when you know you're at work and it's like, oh, why is the photocopier out of toner? And you're like, uh, I sure didn't, you know, photocopy my butt all night last night. Yeah. And then and then it's like, okay, so we have the bridge, and then let's use it to go and whatever I tell you about this story, yeah, it's not going I guess in comparison to how insane it was to read. It's also not going to be 100% accurate because I'm telling you what I took away from the story. And I don't know if this is what Thompson, what Zach Thompson meant. Okay. But like, because there's two, (laughs) there's two goals that auto 616 has stated. Yeah. One, if they kill, uh, there's a Highlander situation going on where if they kill an auto Octavius, the others by quantum entanglement will get smarter. <laughs> right. And Otto picked these other three autos because they show the highest potential for being able to handle the increase in intelligence or something. Or something. Because that's but definitely at the same time, how intelligence works. Yes. But at the same time, he also floats the idea that he wants to create a council of autos, like the Council of Reeds. Right. I feel like those two goals are counterproductive. <laughs> I want to create a council of autos. So that I also I want to get rid of all the all. other autos. Yeah. Yes. So get them all in one what's place. What's funny is they go to the gutted gulch, which is Earth 5069. And this earth doesn't have an auto Octavius. Uh-huh. <laughs> the first earth they go to <laughs> is a zero. <laughs> but what he does there. So, so according to auto banner, there is gamma in the soil. And he's like, could we use it to access the green door? And then. So everybody just and, knows about the fucking green door now. Well, anyone who's gamma. Uh, sure. <laughs> and then ghost. Writer Otto is like, perhaps Otto, an extinction took place here. The screams of ghosts howl from the trees. We may don't get sentimental, Otto. If more need to die, so be it. And then Wolverine Otto picked up a scent. And then Octavius is like, howl it, lend me your adamantium pincer. We'll use the microcultures common to our bloodstreams to create a traceable signature. And so he bleeds and then he puts his like finger in the soil. Oh, also... Zach Thompson does not write intelligent speak well. Oh no. Just that, to, like that's not what you want out of a book like this. No. 
like we'll use the microcultures common in our bloodstreams to create a traceable signature. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, his his arms get stopped by magic, which didn't, which was odd. And then they're like, oh, they come across the Iron Scab, who is the Iron Man of this realm. Scab like a a strike breaker, like he crossed a picket line. Sure. <laughs> I mean, this is what he looks like. Okay. If he if he looks like a yeah a picket line breaker to you, then sure. <laughs> um, Why anyway, else, yeah, he doesn't look like a he doesn't look like a dried you know burst blood vessel or anything. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he doesn't. So more internal monologue from Otto Octavius. But to ch- but to change a quant okay so while you slept I used the bridge to track every Otto Octavius variant and came to one conclusion the failed state of our supremacy can be corrected but to change a quantum system like the multiverse one cannot think diplomatically right now we are in a superposition our reign is both certain and a complete failure at the same time we cannot understand what happens next until we are measured to measure the multiverse we must clash with ourselves together we're already superior to a council the with richards's tech we can be more we can be an army okay that's the level of tech battle yeah. that we're getting throughout all this schrodinger's we're doing we're doing schrodinger's octopus here yes also zach thompson i'm gonna say grew up but like <laughs> grew up watching loki because <laughs> This is the first time in the comics we've used the term variant for other universe versions of, of ourselves. Oh, get ready for it. I've seen on uh, floppies on the shelf at the local comic shop a, a title called The Variants. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> Their next jaunt, they go to Fresh Frond City, where the Otto, who has the highest potential of stopping their plan, lives. Okay. And that Otto, it is Spider-Man Otto. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) So, So they preemptively go and attack him. Also... Uh, this is a concept from DC than it is Marvel, but like okay. it's impressive that the entire multiverse all use the same numbering designation for each <laughs> Earth. Because yeah. so this is Earth twenty nine oh two, and this auto was like I st- I've studied six one six tech in detail. Your time as a militant dolt is over, Auto, and so like. They know that this Otto Octavius Dr. Octopus is from Earth 616. And it's this is usually the references to other Earths are from the 616 perspective. Right. But this time we got it from the well, 2902's perspective that this is still 616. This is something that I've known for a while, but I have I was recently reminded of, of this. Now I have the occasion to bring it up. Do you know where the universes were first named? Ooh, no. They were first named in Marvel UK 
issues of Captain Britain. That's right. And they were named by Alan Moore. Yeah. Who never, ever worked for Marvel proper. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. And became the originator of the numbering system of their multiverse. Mm -hmm. How cool is, how cool is Alan Moore? But also how cool is that? (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So in, uh, there's a, oh, in the Injustice DC animated movie. Okay. They talk about how they bring in heroes from other dimensions and they're like, yeah, "Yeah, you're Earth 36. They're like, oh, really? I call this Earth Earth 22. And like, because that makes sense. Yeah. Everyone's got their own numbering system. Yeah. That checks out. But I also feel like if they did that, then Earth 616 would probably call itself Earth 1. <laughs> right, exactly. And then you get back Everyone to DC starts with stuff. 1 as your own. Right. And then, yeah, and then you get into the DC conundrum. I, I mean, I have heard that in DC, they call Earth... Earth 2 calls themselves Earth 2. Like, that seems like the reason for the big crossover war to begin with. Like, nuh-uh, <laughs> I'm Earth 1, you're Earth 2, nuh-uh. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, so in the Flash TV show, it's a omniversal numbering system. Okay. There is an Earth 1 which is Earth Prime. Sure. To up to 23 I think in that in that world. Okay. But in Injustice they have their own individual numbering systems which I prefer but Yeah, that is cool. I, I it just adds an extra fun little yeah. conversation. Yeah, some flavor to it. It it feels yeah. a little more thought out. Yeah. Anyway, they kill Spider Parker Otto. They use a little, uh, thanks to my technology, a synthetic blood parasite native to Earth 5069. I access the mindscape and drink your intellect. Your entire mind, (laughs) everything you are, belongs to me. You cease to exist, and my mind grows superior. Okay. One down, several thousand to go. Anyway. (sighs) So, in doing that, this is where it gets weird. If it hasn't gotten weird already. Mm-hmm. In doing that, we see a vision of Earth 7214, and we see Atlantis, and 10,000 Atlanteans just die. What? As a ripple effect from the death of that auto. Okay. And so this other auto. This guy really likes his Mountain Dew Baja Blast. Yes. So so this auto decides, okay, it's time to act. I've decided that that's what, uh, that's what, what Dr. Octopus brain juice tastes like. It all tastes like Baja Blast. He says, I am the Supreme Octopus. (laughs) Okay, guy. So this is. Yeah. Doc Ock. I'll I'll tell. Yeah. That was all issue one, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And then. We get this monologue from Supreme Octopus talking about how he's seen the death of Otto Octavius and countless other realities and different ways that he's died. And then sure. the Superior Four are having trouble dealing with each other. They fight each other. And in fighting each other, they get sucked into the Forever Gate and get thrown into where Atlant- that Atlant- Atlantis where people died. And then the tidal wave is coming. And then they get shunted away by magic and brought to the savage land on Earth 8968, where the Supreme Octopus 
is waiting for them and is is ready to deal with them. And then Otto <laughs> Blaze gets a Hellrider dinosaur skeleton <laughs> thing. And anyway, <laughs> this Otto's name is because it's weird. It's it's four names long, but it's, it has Vaughn for Von Doom, and then his okay. last name is Strange. Okay. So he is Doc Ock and Doctor Doom and Doctor Strange. Just and he's all of the doctors. Sorcerer. Just yeah, he's a sorcerer. Supreme way too much grad world. school for this guy. <laughs> and he has the <laughs> his base of operations is the Supreme Sanctorum, which looks like castle in the sky type okay. shit. Yeah. And he brings the three others in to like bring him, bring them into the fold, I guess. But he locks up Otto 616 because he's delusional. So because the blood that he put into the ground on that other planet. Yeah. Springs forth and creates a man thing to puss. <laughs> Great. That can travel dimensions, and <laughs> it's it's literally just the face of Man Thing and four vines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It speaks by putting out by making words with its vines. Yeah, and then it frees Otto, and then joins with him and becomes his new arms. Hmm. <laughs> Supreme Octopus tells the others about their futures and how their plans will fail and they need to stop. And then Supreme and then Man Thing Otto shows up and and fights and then the spells are cast and then fights are had and arms are ripped off and punching and fighting and they finally get oh sorry man thing to puss <laughs> that'll never not be funny impales a supreme octopus through the head sure and that's how they kill him that's how the story ends sure pretty much and then they're stuck there but no because man thing takes over the body of the dead supreme octopus and there's enough residual magic energy to open up a portal to send them back to 616 of course they go back to 616 they rebuild the forever gate to make sure that it's still okay and then Otto's like i need to go and take this little guy somewhere i'll be right back and then they come back and they're like okay can we be friends now because we've had this adventure together and they're like, cool. And so now they go through and do their superior force stuff that happened in Devil's Reign. It had nothing to do with Devil's Reign. <laughs> <laughs> it made zero sense. But the man thing gets dropped off at Fresh Frond City because it's it's very green there. I didn't even tell you that, but... <laughs> There's a lot of plants, and then and that's where they killed the spider octopus. <laughs> and Man Thing gives himself a plant body and becomes the Spider-Man octopus man thing of Spider-Man Topus of, <laughs> of this reality. Jesus Christ. So I'm getting this um 
this just this very subtle sense and you can tell me if i'm way off base here just like this nagging just like back of my mind you know tingling of an idea that uh that you didn't like this book very much it was so bad <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i'm so <sighs> <laughs> the potential of having four Otto Octaviuses uh-huh. team up to do literally anything. Right. Like the, in so many okay, okay. that's a lie. <laughs> they Otto Octavius 616 is a great foe. Yes. He is one of the better Spider-Man villains out yes. there. This does not prove that. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, at least they didn't do this. At least they didn't make a new, like, octo harness or whatever. Strap one of the autos onto each arm at the end and just bludgeon people with four different autos. You knew that had to be. I mean, be, you know yeah, that had at to least be. that didn't happen. <laughs> you know that had to be in one of the drafts. No, because there's only ever three. He'd need to. He would oh, have to have a, a superior five, <laughs> and and Voltron that shit. Maybe maybe that was the the original role of the the supreme octopus was to be the yeah. center one to to Man. kidnap all of them and lash them each to it, <laughs> make Doctor, them all into robot arms. Doctor Doomtopus Supreme had. Potential like Doctor Doom, Doctor Strange, yeah, and Doctor Octopus, yeah, three very, very intense and powerful people in their own right. Yes, the merging of the three yes. should not be killed off in the issue that he's introduced. <laughs> <laughs> should not be that goofy by a vine, but you know. So my thing is, I was assuming that this was going to be a great opportunity for 616 Auto to set something up for a future Spider-Man story with the power of four different octopuses at his quote-unquote disposal. This could have been like very foreshadowed doomy. Mm -hmm. But instead, they went on a multiversal adventure to become to pull a Highlander, but also potentially put together a council of autos. Yeah. It's very silly. It's very silly. Anyway, this book ends with an issue of Spider-Man that has him go up against the Rose, who is the resurrected son of Wilson Fisk. And the Rose was a joke. Like okay. he just he couldn't do anything right. And this also helps cement that this happened before the end of Spider-Man Beyond, because at the end of that issue 86 is when Ben Riley becomes Chasm. And so he couldn't be Spider-Man in order to be in Devil's Reign and in this. So yeah, it's it okay. wasn't it wasn't an amazing issue. <laughs> sure. But yeah, so these four Devil's Reign side books, this might is this the first time? With the exception of that issue of Moon Knight, the issue of Winter Soldier, and I guess X-Men, because it was interesting enough. This is 
arguably the first time I've ever been like, well, you don't need to read the side books. Wow. <laughs> That's hard. I know. I know. But that, that issue of Moon Knight was so Moon Knight. Yeah. That it just it was a shining <laughs> yeah. a shining star in the that, darkness that is side awesome. stories. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's what I got, man. Tell me, tell me about tell me about this. Uh tell me oh crap. It was a uh it's a, it's a soul title that I already forgot the name of the nine issues. Do you want to hint or you want to just oh, have no. some difficulty with it for a little while? <laughs> Oh no! Oh wow! I really forgot. Hints. I'm so sorry. Yes. Former member of the New Mutants. Weird shit happened, and he kind of joined Excalibur. It's not. It's not Nightcrawler. No. Damn it. Cartoons. Wait. You you might not be familiar with that aspect of this character. I feel like you ought to be, but. Oh man, dude! Wow. I totally forgot. Self-friend Will. Oh, Warlock. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Wait, who went to Excalibur? Doug Locke. Doug Locke did. Interesting. Okay. And as we find out in this, there wasn't really any Doug Locke after all. Oh. It It was just Warlock. But he did kind of absorb Doug's memories and some of his powers but he is definitely not doug and fully warlock and so if that was kind of the takeaway from the whole like remember the whole plot with him and machine man and the x-men and bastion and the red skull trying to blah 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 take over that helicarrier yeah yeah so that was kind of the takeaway for Warlock from that was this is Warlock. There is no Doug Lock, et cetera. Okay. So that's, that's kind of the one part of the setup. The other is just like uh, written by Louise Simonson. Who was Louise Simonson? She wrote about half of the new mutants run, like the original new mutants mm. from the time that Claremont left around issue 50 to the time it ended around issue 100. And she also wrote most of the X-Factor run where it is the original five team. And so, and she was a editor for Uncanny X-Men for a long time before that. Her husband, Walt Simonson, had a like iconic run on Thor, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, so, and she created Power Pack. So she is like, mm. she's kind of known for the, you know, between Power Pack and New Mutants, kind of young person focused books. After she joined on, New Mutants kind of softened in tone a lot, became less just like punishingly cruel to its characters in the way that Claremont does and a little mm. more like younger in theme. She writes comics like they did in the 80s, you know, with just like lots and lots of text on the screen, everything or on mm. the on the page, everything that every action is narrated, you know, so the art kind of never stands alone. Right. That she sort of throws thing. a right hook. Right. Exactly. With all um, the energy she could muster. Yes. The giant grunt. Exactly. 
And so, yeah, so Warlock, you know, kind of at the end of this whole plot with um, Machine Man and, and Red Skull and the Helicarrier and all this stuff, he's kind of figuring out who he is and realizing that there, and he's being pursued by this group of people in all white suits with a little like fencing mask kind of look uh, called the Psychops. And if you remember, this might sound kind of familiar because in X-Men recently, we had the Psychor. Yeah. To take the R out of there. This is the completely wow. different group. This is the Psychops. Okay. And they have ne- members named, uh, the, the leader of the Psychops is a woman named uh, Siren w- with a P. And she okay. has a little brother in the group named Simon. No. Also, also with a P. No. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one was hard. That, w- that was a hard one to swallow. Oof. <laughs> Poseidon. Poseidon. And Poseidon. If I, if I ever had... A third kid. That's what I'm going to name him. <laughs> what are your What are your first two? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> before, so even okay, as a kid, my the first son I ever wanted to name was going to be Miles. Okay. I've always had a thing for the name Miles, and then they went and did Miles Morales. Miles Morales. Yeah. And so now I feel like if I did, people sure. would be like, oh, like Spider-Man, because you like Spider-Man so much. No, this is this is before <laughs> I just ever thought of Miles Morales. But yeah. But, and then but, I figured the second one. But it doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. And then I figured the second one, my wife will probably want to have a name. And if sure. not, then Peter. But <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if we messed around and ended up having a third child, then we're going to have fun with it. We're going <laughs> <laughs> to... Middle name is going to be Scimitar or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> So, so they ambush Warlock and when he's visiting Doug's grave, and they fight for like two pages, and then Warlock flies away, and he's like, uh, "I was actually in the middle of something. I'm going to this research facility because I can detect techno-organic matter. I guess he can, sure." All right. And he's like, "There is some sort of experiments going on at this creepy place in New York City." The middle of New York City, like, you see the Manhattan skyline, but then there's also, like, a giant cooling tower. Like, there's a nuclear reactor here that he dives down the middle of, uh, and it's the Mainspring Research Facility. His whole thing is, like, he blames himself for bringing the the techno-organic, the trans-mode virus, to Earth. And that's kind of what set off the whole phalanx covenant. As long as there are remnants of techno-organics on Earth, they will, you know, multiply, replicate, and they're always going to be in danger of starting off another phalanx covenant. You know, transmoting and taking over humans, compelling them to build a giant babble spire, 
the Technarchy, a.k.a. Warlock's dad, Magus, comes down from space, destroys the planet. He's like, I don't want any of that to happen. I'm responsible for all of this, so I'm going to go and just root out all of the you know, remnants of techno-organics, and they are being researched here at this research facility. And so he dives right down the nuclear cooling tower, because sure. And he gets in, and he, you know, he finds this girl named Hope. Actually, her, her name is Esperanza, Esperanza Ling. And, you, you know, she has bright orange anime hair, but they remind you that she's, you know, Latina every once in a while, or Latinx every once in a while by just having her say a random, like, extremely common word in Spanish. Uh, like in the middle of a sentence? Yeah, just like, see, I think that we should go over there. <laughs> All right. You know, this is a real, real old school, you know, like, like how... Yeah, it's uh, the 90s. Yeah, how, how I mean... They're starting to get away from this by the 90s a little bit, but like, you know, how uh, in the 80s Colossus would just say, like, you know, boy, she boy, or da, da, yeah, like yeah. every, and it's like, okay, buddy, we, we get it. Like, I get it. I get it for nicknames. Yeah, for nicknames, it makes sense. Calling but random. Yeah. Because Night, yeah. Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler calls calling Kitty, Kitty Kotsen. 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 Yeah. yeah, that's that's cool. Right. But randomly saying Fraulein is. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to remind you every once in a while. But yeah. So he sees her in this research facility along with this monkey. The monkey is infected with Trekno Organics. She is not. Oh, the monkey's name is Chi Chi. For a second, I thought that that was that I, I forgot the name of the monkey from Speed Racer. I thought that was Chi Chi, not Chim Chim. Oh, Chim Chim, yeah. But very similar vibes here. Got some real Chim Chim. <laughs> you know, it's more of like a, a spider monkey kind of thing, but that's fine. Mm. And so it turns out that she is immune to techno-organics, to the, the transmode virus, but that she spreads it in uncontrollably with everything that she touches. And we later learned that it's not just with organics, that she spreads it to inorganic things too, which is brand new. This has never happened before. Mm. And they're calling it like transmecking things instead of transmoting. Anyway, so they're both like, oh my God, I touch you and like nothing happens. That's kind of cool. And so they decide to escape together with the monkey and, you know, they fight off. They have a three-way battle between the Psychops who followed and the giant robots called the gatekeepers that are guarding the facility. I know, right? <laughs> and then <It's> poorly. <laughs> get the gatekeepers out of comics, okay? <laughs> comics is for everybody. So the the main baddie is a guy, a real zombie-looking guy who is like super techno-organicified, right? A guy named Mainspring, who I think like Something, something transmoted, but kept his individuality. It's really hard to, they never really explain who he is or what happened to him. But he's got like, you know, these giant research facilities on Earth. He's got a satellite base. He's got all sorts of shit. So he's got plenty of resources, whatever they are. So yeah, Warlock Esperanza, uh, Warlock Hope and the monkey make it out. 
And this whole time, Warlock is like doing like the sort of cartoony transformations that he used to do in the New Mutants, which is kind of nice. You know, mm. he'll he'll turn into like a dinosaur one panel and then like a taxi cab the next and then like a bat, you know, so he's just like constantly like changing his form. And, and that's fun. Yeah. So they decide to hide in the Met. You've got the Met Gala. We've got uh-huh. the, Met, the <laughs> Metropolitan Museum of Art. So, you know, you did the fundraiser for the museum itself. Now I'm doing the museum. While they're in there, they go to an abstract sculpture gallery. They run into Tony Stark. Warlock's like, oh, I need to hide. I need to blend in. Becomes an abstract sculpture, right? Gatekeepers attack anyway. And so they team up with Tony to fight off some gatekeepers. And at the end, they're like, cool, thanks for the help. We've got really crazy, dangerous stuff to take care of later. Like, he just, like, he fly. Iron Man flies away, and then, like, one page later, the Psycops show back up. And it's like, bro, <laughs> this happens a lot in this book. And so they, they have this, so they get captured by the Psycops, and Simon is assigned to guard duty, gets to talking to them, realizes that they're the good guys, and, you know, switches sides, helps them escape as mainspring attacks. So, yeah, they fight off mainspring, they make their exit, and then they're just kind of like, you know, hanging out together in this house, and then the mole man has a bunch of his minions dig out the house and sink it down into the earth. Because he's like, oh, these are really powerful people. I need them to help me with these giant monsters that were caused by pollution. And Simon uses his psychic powers to tell the the moloids to dig a giant hole. And they trick the pollution monsters into falling into it. And then at the end, Esperanza is like, you know, my grandfather says Tony Stark's a good man. Maybe you can get him to help you with your, you know, with, with your pollution problem. <laughs> well, man says, you mean hire Stark for money? And she says, it's got to be easier to mine gold than swallow whole buildings. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I never actually thought of that. I know, right? He should just have all, so much money. Anyway, uh, Hope's losing control of her powers and she's getting really like down on herself and and Simon's trying to teach her like you know meditation control mastery etc cetera, etc cetera. they all go out together to they're trying to find mainspring's like satellite base and they're like uh oh, sounds like we would need a computer to find that <laughs> i know let's go to the computer expo i'm sorry when would you ever not need a computer to find something in space. Listen. <laughs> this was written in 1999 by a person who hadn't written comics since, you know, 1989. She's, she's uh, old school. She's got a lot of thoughts about what computers are and how to use them. And she wants to be she's topical analog. for the kids. Yeah. So they go to this, like, computer expo. I don't know if you ever went to... One of these, they used to have them at like Earl Warren showgrounds every once in a while. I used to buy like probably pirated games that looked (laughs) like they were, you know, Mm -hmm. from just like shady people at a table. But anyway, so they go to the computer expo 
And Warlock's like, man, Kitty Pride loves computers. I wonder if she's here. And then the expo gets attacked by Psycho Man. And it turns out that Spider-Man's there. You know, he's as a uh, Peter, as a journalist, is like taking pictures for the computer expo for some reason. And so Psycho Man, for whatever reason, I honestly completely forget, you know, comes in and starts messing with everybody's emotions. So they go down into the microverse, they fight him off, they come back. I don't understand Psycho Man. Like, no, I get that he's from neither. the microverse and he has this, like, mind discontroller thing. Yeah, he's got he's got this giant, like, speak and spell or whatever that can mm-hmm. that can make you feel things. But like, why is he? He's used so often. Yeah. Well, not I maybe mean, not so he, often. I mean, he, like- <laughs> he was he was one of the very first Marvel villains, right? He was in like the the original Fantastic Four run. But yeah, he's not a compelling villain by any means. Yeah. Cor, I mean, Korvac thought he was useful. <laughs> it is potentially, you know, a very powerful power, I guess. But yeah, so. With the help of Spidey, they they fight him off. They get back to the computer expo, uh, expo and Spider Man's like, "Okay, later." And Warlock's like, "Oh shit, that is Kitty Pride." <laughs> What's up, Kitty? Wow! <laughs> so now they get to team up with Kitty instead of Spider Man. Well, I guess Spider Man sticks around for one more fight. They fight another gatekeeper with both of them, and then and then Spidey leaves. So yeah, they're just really chaining team ups. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> Mainspring up in orbit at his satellite base is looking at you know energy readings of Earth like you do, and he's like, "Oh, there's something here in the desert in New Mexico where this Hulkbuster base used to be. What is this? I'll give you a hint. It was in last week's reading." It's Bastion's severed head. Bastion's severed head. Oh, that's interesting. It's giving off energy. It's yeah, or something. Or he notices it and then is like, "Oh, we need to go get this." Right. And so one of the gatekeepers holds up the head, all you know, Shakespearean style, and Bastion laser eyes blows up the gatekeeper's head and then possesses it to fucking. <laughs> set his the head his own head down in the gatekeeper body oh and now he's gatekeeper but ba- screws himself in like a fucking light bulb <laughs> <laughs> and, uh. and by this point peter has left and so goes after hope and kitty and and simon and warlock down in the morlock tunnels he just fucking beelines it straight for them. He's like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, Bastion's just like reduced completely to a mustache twirling crazy guy. So they fight him off and he makes some note like, you can't kill me. The Siege Perilous gave me eternal life. And so uh, Kitty phases him into the floor. (laughs) (laughs) But Mainspring recovers the head like immediately. And there's this like, really uncomfortable love triangle. Like it, it, this is one of those books where like everybody has a crush on everybody for no reason. So like it's Warlock, like 
Yeah. So like Warlock is jealous of Simon and Hope spending time together. But then Hope is jealous of Warlock and Kitty Pride spending time together. And it's just like, you know, everybody says like awful jealous things like lashing out all the time at each other. It's like, come on. And I don't know. There's something just really uncomfortable about this well, attempt like- at a love triangle here with with this is that even fun to write (laughs) right that's a good point like this isn't adding anything to the story really yeah yeah i don't know it's really weird anyway they're like uh later kitty we're gonna go off to mirror island and so they get there and they chain into the wolfsbane team up Mm. And, you know, there was like a whole like potential romance brewing between Doug Locke and Rain at the end of Excalibur. It's been more or less completely dropped in favor of this awkward, you know, love quadrangle or whatever it is. And, or, or just Esperanza being allowed to be jealous of Rain. But they're like, you know, we'll, we'll use the computers here at Muir to try and find the uh, Mainspring satellite. And also, you know, get to hang out, catch up with Rain and Moira, and run some, like, mutant powers tests on Hope. And so Moira theorizes that Hope's powers aren't just turning everything into trans mode, that she has a, a more fully featured, like, matter transmutation power based on touch that she can turn anything into anything. And it's a um, like traumatic experience basically, Oh, you know, cause, cause she, she was like captured by the phalanx covenant, blah, blah, blah. Her family died, et cetera. So it's that sort of like traumatic experience that has her keep doing the techno organics instead of turning things, into anything else. So she, she starts to, um, use this aspect of her power and start to practice it while they're in mirror. Meanwhile, Mainspring scoops up the Bastion head yet again and revives it with some phalanx goop and has him delete the Bastion persona and delete the Nimrod persona. So it's only Master Mold left and then uses Master Mold as like this is a a personality that's more likely to or likely to serve and so he renames him template for whatever reason and so warlock is doing his you know like computers thing and he's like oh i found the the satellite and just then bastion template infects moira's computer system And it turns out that this is his power now, that he uses the techno mechanic powers that were sort of like derived off of hope with the superpowers of the internet, I guess, to connect to, he can connect to any computer on earth and take it over and reshape it as sort of like a a giant evil presence of himself, like a robot body. Interesting. Yeah. That's an upgrade. (laughs) Yeah, it's a big power set. And so they fight it off. They're like, oh, this was, you know, just a small manifestation. We really got to go up to space because that's just the thing that we're going to do. So they take a spaceship from, uh, from Muir Island. They fly up to the satellite 
and template is starting to take over you know all the world's computers while he while they do that while they're on their way up and takes over the New York Stock Exchange and hmm. you know fights uh gets into a big fight scene with the Avengers and Spider-Man and you know cuz cuz it's all computers you see it's really terrifying so the heroes get captured by oh I'm sorry Chi-Chi wasn't part of this the whole time this whole time they didn't have the monkey and Hope has like a psychic connection to everything that she transmodes and she transmoded Chi-Chi. So they've been torturing a monkey to get at, you know, the the group basically to try and goad them into rash things and so on. So the, the rest of them get captured, but they get Chi-Chi loose. Chi-Chi, you know, presses the button to free them and saves the day. As monkeys tend to do. Mm-hmm. Monkeys and baby groots. Right, exactly. Oh, yeah. So uh, it turns out that the Bastion template is like fully phalanx. The whatever phalanx code is deep in its, his resurrection is taking over and he's subconsciously pulled to build a Babel Spire, which is what summons the Technarchy to destroy the planet. And so... They're like, hey, look, Mainspring, your guy's doing this thing. And he's like, what? That's not what I wanted. And has like a, you know, tech brain battle of wills with him and loses. He's like, fine, go, you know, the rest of you go beat him, but take my heart. And he open, he just like peels open his chest and reaches inside and pulls out his techno organic heart. And he's like, this will help you and then the whole satellite space station blows up they go back down to earth they team up with the avengers and spider-man to destroy the Babel tower and then they're like cool uh good team up later guys the avengers and spider-man go home and then magus shows up warlock's dad as you know final boss you know, big fight scene, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Hope and Warlock do the sort of melding thing that uh, Warlock often does with Doug. And Simon uses his telekinesis to throw them down Magus's throat. And then using Hope's power, Hope basically starts to override Magus's cells from the inside and turn them in, try to turn them into more Warlock. He expels them, flies back to space. The end, they all go swimming. Okay. That's it. That's, that's the Warlock series. That's nine issues. Yeah. What do you think, what do you think will come out of this? Like, do you think any of this will like, follow up well, in another title? Interesting that you ask. I you know, went through the trouble of looking everybody up on the wiki. Hope will never be seen again. <sighs> But what about Simon? Simon will never be seen again. Oh. Warlock obviously will be seen again. But, you know, not for quite some time. In fact, not until Annihilation Conquest. Oh, wow. I think. I'll I'll double check here. But yeah, he kind of drops off the face of the planet. Oh, he's in... Sorry. He's in one issue of X-Men Unlimited and one issue of Cable and Deadpool. 
and then nothing until Annihilation Conquest. It's safe. I mean, some of this like background and elucidation of the Phalanx Technarchy combination was used a little bit in Phalanx Covenant, but it's not a huge deal. Oh wait, no. I'm sorry. He wasn't. He was only. He only appeared in flashback in that issue of X Men Unlimited, and he was only in flashback in that issue of Cable and Deadpool. Yeah, he did not appear again until Annihilation Conquest, which was in 2008. So nine years later, Chi Chi, never seen again. Surprise. Bastion continued to be a severed head for one more appearance but went back to his characterization before any of this ever happened. And seeing as how he was a severed head in Astonishing X-Men, you could argue that, you know, they completely ignored this. <laughs> it's funny. I always thought that Fashion was from the future. He is, sort of. His Nimrod half is. Nimrod is from the, f- yeah. Nimrod's yeah. from the future, but Bastion, yeah. Nimrod is, or... Bastion is current timeline. No. Nimrod time traveled. No. Well, sort of. Bastion. (laughs) Okay. So there's Master Mold, right? Right. Created by Stephen Lang, Sentinel that creates other Sentinels, blah, blah, blah. And then there's Uh Nimrod. uh, Days of Future Past. Future Sentinel. Days of Future Past, Future Perfect Sentinel. Completely impossible to destroy, etc. Right. They were both separate characters. They ended up, you know, teaming up at one point to fight against the X-Men. Rogue pushed them through. They, they, the X-Men couldn't beat them. This was an era where the X-Men routinely got their asses handed to them. Like, couldn't beat the Marauders, couldn't beat the Reavers, couldn't beat Nimrod etc. So Nimrod and Master Mold come after them. They're like, we don't have any way to beat them. Let's set up the Siege Perilous and Rogue just like fly them through it. The Siege Perilous is a magic door given to them, but to given to the X-Men by Roma, which gives whoever walks through it a new, like a, a, a possibility for a new life. This happened to meld Master Mold and Nimrod together into the composite being known as Bastion, who for a time believed himself to be human, was adopted by humans, still had this deep and latent hatred of mutants within him, started amassing deep government connections, <laughs> like, like extremely, <laughs> extremely quickly. What in, in the span of probably like a couple months, you know, publication or, or uh continu- in continuity time and like six years publication time managed to get government contacts in in uh, governments all over the world to get them to sign on to a joint anti-mutant project that he led himself across governmental international agency operation zero tolerance okay but deep down underneath it all he was Nimrod Master Mold. Man, yeah, I totally missed that origin story. Yeah, very silly. You're not wrong. <laughs> he remained a severed head. He had one minor appearance and then didn't appear again until 
the whole Messiah complex second coming arc where he is. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, a Mm. a big deal villain like him, you don't want to use too much, right? Yeah. He's not Magneto. Yeah. (laughs) Even Magneto, like Magneto was in a total of like, I mean, the, he was the main villain. Like he appeared a lot more obviously, but he was yeah. the main villain of like three story arcs in throughout the entire nineties. And that includes like the very beginning and the very end of the nineties. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, okay. So he was mind wiped through a lot of it, but Magneto has been through a lot of shit. Okay. <laughs> he got turned into a baby. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was a presence. Just not necessarily times. the yeah. primary antagonist. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so it, it was the X-Men 1 through 3 in 1992. And then it was the Fatal Attractions storyline in mm-hmm. 1993. Or I guess the first one was 91. Anyway, the Fatal Attractions in 93. And then the Magneto War. I guess it was 4. Because it's the Magneto War in 90, 99. Yeah, I guess that was the last one. Because then he starts popping up a lot in the 2000s. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. I mean, this is... I'm kind of torn. I really appreciate Louise Simonson's just, like, contribution to the X-Men franchise. There wasn't a whole lot of her work that she wrote that I really enjoyed reading. Mm. You know, like it was always like a step below or, you know, like the Claremont stuff, for example. Right. Right. When it was the two of them together with the franchise, but they worked together really well. They were good friends. They handled the franchise well together. So that's a big positive, but yeah, just like the specific writer ticks and, and style, not my favorite. But I'm, I'm glad she got some work again, even if <laughs> much like hope and all of the other characters in this story, I don't think she ever wrote anything for Marvel again. Yeah. Yeah. I think, does that conclude our episode? Do you want to do, do you want to, is there anything else you want to talk about before we talk about next week, next episode? Okay. She did write a little more. No, that's it for me. Okay. Well, so next episode, yeah, we have part two of Sandman. Yes, we will do the second trade of Sandman for real, for real. I also, I only, I have a book that took its time getting here, Silk Volume Two. Oh, interesting. The first volume was really weird. I think her sister was involved, but there was someone that transformed. I couldn't remember if it was vampires or werewolves. <laughs> okay, man, I. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm impressed with the staying power of Silk. She shouldn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) A pretty flimsy premise. Yeah. Are you familiar with her origin? No. Uh, Well, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, She's the. She was also bit by the radioactive spider, and then stayed in a web cocoon for a bunch of years. (laughs) She got put in a bunker. That is so. The previous spider's totem before Peter Parker was Ezekiel. And right. when oh, she was the backup bit, totem or whatever. Yeah. So this reality became special because it had two totems. 
And so Ezekiel put Cindy Moon in a bunker for 12 or 16 years while Pete was out being the spider totem and being Spider-Man. She also had spider powers, but was in the bunker also when she which they've dropped but when she's within proximity of pete their spider sense thing sets them into a horny frenzy and they can't get their hands off each other right oh my god right she has organic webbing that shoots out of her like fingers yeah and her costume is made out of webbing but she can change the color of it okay she's not her costume is really cool like her okay. design is really cool. Okay. But that's all she's really got going for. <laughs> anyway, Fair enough. I've got that book. If it's as bad as the first volume, I might read one of my back issue volumes that I've had on, on the back oh, burner, sword and hulked out heroes, two books that I've realized that I didn't have from the last 22 years. <laughs> so I might read one of those. Nice. What non-Sandman do you have? I have an, a bit of an oddity. Uh, this is a... My pack next has a, a, a crossover called The Eighth Day, which is between Iron Man, Thor, and Peter Parker, Spider-Man. But it has, it has a special called Juggernaut, The Eighth Day. So that might mm. be the only tie-in that... <laughs> Uh, happens with the X-Men. But you know what? I find Juggernaut a pretty compelling character. So, sure. Yeah. Let's do that. I like Juggernaut. Yeah. And then I have the start of another brand new series. Bishop the Last X-Man. Hmm. And Not to be confused with Why the Last Man. Right. Yeah. Which, which I also <laughs> didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. And if we if we go through with that. I don't know. I've got I've got more shattering to finish off. There's also another miniseries called X Men: Children of the Atom, not to be confused with the Krakoa era Children of the Atom or the video game Children of the Atom. Right. <laughs> I like that game. Yeah. Well, cool. Yes. I guess. I guess we'll put the outro music here. Yeah, as long as you got a place and, uh, for it. Yeah. Notice that I didn't start the cold open. So I did. Yes. I'm so proud of myself. I'm very proud of you.